And the really amazing thing for me about making porn, work with sex is that, you know, sex underpins so much of our society. I think that's something that we don't really give sex kind of credit for is that it can actually teach us about more than just the physical act. Like it's a way of kind of investigating yourself. It's a way of learning about how we interact as a society. On today's episode, I speak with porn performer and director Vex Ashley. We dig into the role of porn in society, and we talk about sex, sex on screen, sex off screen, and the ways in which sex reflects real life, the ways in which it reflects power dynamics and gender dynamics, and how the first step to changing things is to start having honest conversations with our partners and with each other. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So to get us started, we don't like to define people, we let people define themselves. So okay. how do you want to introduce yourself? My name is Bex Ashley. I am a porn performer, director, producer, and general uh, naked on the internet girl. I like that you added the last bit. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> it's my 10 year anniversary this year of getting naked on the internet. So. Are you doing anything to, to I'm celebrate? Hope, I'm hoping to have a little bit of a, an event or a party just to kind of mark it because it's quite an achievement actually. And you remember like the first day, like you kept the date marked in your diary? Um, not necessarily. I just remember the year because I was, I'm, I'm 33, just turned 33 now. Same age. So I remember being like, being 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of years ago, someone was like, how, how long have you been doing Four Chambers? Um, and I kind of, I'm totting up and I'm going, I think it's 10 years this year somehow <laughs> without me even really noticing it going yeah. by. But yeah, it takes some, I feel like it's gone so fast. I still feel kind of like a bit of a, a baby. <laughs> I hope we all keep feeling that way forever, yeah. right? Yeah, 100%. Has a lot changed in the last 10 years? A lot has changed, yeah, especially with the climate of kind of how um, online spaces work. So, you know, when I started out, the kind of sites that I was using were sites like Tumblr, um, RIP. Well, I'm a huge Tumblr advocate. I miss it so much. Um, it was, I think, so formative in so many people's, the, the development of people's yeah. sexuality and the way that they were able to kind of um, learn about sex uh, and use sex and sexual content as part of their blog in a way that didn't kind of other it. Yeah. So it was a space where people were not only talking about sex, but they were talking about their personal posts, they were sharing memes, they were, you know, curating a gallery of their interests. And one of those things would be sex. Um, and that was something that was really inspirational to me because I hadn't really seen um, sex used as a, uh, something that was an aesthetic mm-hmm. uh, image rather than just a functional product. And um, so getting to kind of grow up on Tumblr meant that I really saw, began to like think about the creative potential for sex rather than it just being something that you didn't talk about and you hid away. And you got your start in art school, right? You were like, yeah, <laughs> in the most like structured, like every, every creative industry has its place, which is structured, right? Where people make rules and mm-hmm. this is how things are supposed to be done. And absolutely. And you end up there and you realize that you actually wanted to disrupt the rules, make write new rules. Yeah. How did you get to that point where like, it's not just even realizing, right? Like knowing that it doesn't fit mm-hmm. and it's not you, mm-hmm. but it's the rules. Yeah, one of the things that I really took away from from art school was that I didn't like that it felt like you had to pay lip service to all of these really old fashioned institutions that were often 
developed with men at the top of the pile who were deciding who got to who 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 was allowed to uh, you know be heralded who made work that was successful what institutions you were allowed to exist within where your work was allowed to sit um, and it always felt kind of um, restrictive I guess and I, I think when I was at art school they you know one of my, my tutors who was like a, um, a a 60 year old guy was was telling me that my work was too feminine and too considered for my viewer um, what does that even mean too feminine I know it's like that it's that kind of interesting thing where you go and initially I, I sit there and I'm like hmm that, that kind of sucks and I was like maybe actually that's a compliment because I'm like for me that yeah. I'm like why do I think that's a bad thing um, I don't necessarily think considering how someone else sees your work is an inherently um, yeah. is an inherently bad thing. And he meant that as a bad thing, right? Yeah, he was kind of saying that I needed to undo some of that. Um, and the really amazing thing for me about making porn and um, work with sex is that you know sex underpins so much of our society. You know, we we it it defines so much of the way that we interact, yeah. and it's used to sell us products. And it's talked around and, uh, you know, kind of implied, but never really explicitly explored or discussed. And the most fascinating thing for me about porn was it kind of felt like there wasn't a blueprint to follow. There wasn't a lot of established dynamics in place. There was no one that I needed to ask for permission to exist. Mm -hmm. So I was able to kind of make my own work on my own terms and do some exploration that felt like it was kind of untrodden ground. Um, and now that I've been in it long enough, I actually know that there are, you know, thousands of people that came before me that were doing really amazing work, but it was just never heralded in the same way that some of the stuff that I was seeing at art school was, because it's always been so underground. And it's it's also like the the gender dynamics you mentioned there play into it so much, mm -hmm. even even in porn, right? Where it's so much of like quote unquote traditional porn is like just perpetuates the patriarchy basically where it's for men. Yeah. If we look only at the binary and it's women are objects, they're muses yeah. or things happen to them. Yeah, I definitely think that when you, I think as a society, when we think about porn, the kind of, the, um, the kind of image that's conjured in our head is one of quite kind of heteronormative, traditional patriarchal dynamics. Um, and that's complicated because, you know, having spent a lot of time in porn, there's so much out there, it's so diverse, and that's not necessarily the thing that defines sexuality, but because of the way that the porn industry has been structured, it's very easy to find porn that plays into that kind of traditional yeah. roles. Um, and for me, that was something that I kind of, I, I saw and I was one, you, I found it hard to find uh, porn that maybe existed outside of that or dynamics that existed outside of that. Um, and that was because I don't think we're taught how to navigate the porn world. You know, a lot for a lot of us, it's a very private experience and things like porn tube sites feed us um, based on a, an algorithm like the rest of the internet, what they think is going to be the most watched or the most paid for. Mm. And for a lot of people, and um, the only people who were buying porn were kind of traditional, like straight white men. So a lot of the porn that was being shown was porn made with those people in mind because it was a business. Um, but when you take a little bit of time to kind of scratch the surface and look behind that, there were 
there have been more women directors working in porn than in Hollywood, for example, since the 70s and 80s, but it's not really spoken about as an industry that is beneficial or could have kind of creative possibilities for women because of the way that we kind of, um, we have quite a reductive view of what it could be. And it's like othered in a, in a sense, even though sex is part of it, we're all here because of sex, like sex is part of everyone's Absolutely. life. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that, you know, something that's so foundational to our experience uh, exists in this shady, let's not talk about it, let's not bring it up, let's not have an open conversation about it. Um, and I think it does us a real disservice because, you know, for all of us, I think even people who, who work with sex, we could all do with, you know, a, a much more open and honest sexual education. And just even outside of an educational environment, I would just love to be able, for people to be able to have more conversations about everyday sex. Um, and I think porn sometimes can be scapegoated a little bit for, um, you know, not being realistic enough, not depicting sex in a way that feels um, close to maybe people's everyday experiences. Um, but it sometimes maybe doesn't also get credit for um, expanding our sexual horizons or allowing us to kind of view things in a different way, uh, being shown sex that maybe we wouldn't have necessarily been able to experience and opening doors as well. How do we start having those conversations about sex, like the everyday sex? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's really, it's really hard. I think I, I feel very lucky to maybe be part of one of the first generations, at least it felt like for me, where I was able to talk to my friends about masturbation or what we felt like was hot or, you know, how sex felt for us. Um, and I think, there is more of an acceptance of sex and porn being a part of society. And I think that can have both amazing benefits and sometimes um, kind of negative drawbacks. Because I think sometimes now it kind of feels like porn is very much under the microscope and it's become um, almost to talk about porn now sometimes feels like you're playing into those patriarchal um, dynamics where I think it's really important to be able to say, it would be amazing to to be able to go to your friends and say, hey, I just watched this this point. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Can we talk about it? You know, how does that sit for you? Um, I think part of the reason why porn has been kept in that real shady underworld is because um, because it's not been treated as a valuable cultural um, experience in the same way that maybe film or literature or TV or comedy has in that, you know, if we saw a comedy uh, show that you were like, hmm, I'm not sure how I feel about that. And um, that doesn't make me feel very good. You'd be able to have a conversation with other people who got it and discuss it. And some of that healthy criticism would probably shape the kind of content that we were seeing. But because we don't see it as valuable or worthy of having those discussions, it ends up being kept in the dark and we don't get to have that kind of conversation. So I think just even being brave enough to just put it on the table and see what somebody else thinks about it is the first, probably the first step to that. How did you take that first step with a friend? Like, <laughs> I watched something and I want to talk to you about it. I think I, I feel pretty lucky in that I've never been somebody who's felt massively uh, self-conscious about talking about, about my body or sex. Um, but I think 
it ha- kind of has to start with with somebody. Um, so feeling really having someone that you feel really safe with, that you feel like you're able to to kind of that they respect you and love you as a person, and that you, you know nothing that you say is maybe going to shock them. I think having really close friendships like that is really important to feeling confident and comfortable enough to discuss that kind of thing. Um, I kind of feel like I I maybe came from a position where nobody was massively surprised when I said that I started doing yeah. porn. Um, I I think like even my my parents and stuff. I don't think it came as a massive shock. I was always I was always a bit of a performer. I was always naked. I was always an exhibitionist. So um, so yeah, it kind of it came it came relatively like naturally to me. And um, but I think just having being able to have those conversations breeds more yeah further discussion and it's it's often like the having the conversation feels scary because there's so much judgment in society right and so much shame and so much stigma and it's interesting because also there isn't really sex ed anywhere in the world and so everyone turns to porn Mm. to learn about other people's sex lives yeah which is you know I, i i use the analogy sometimes of being like Porn's kind of porn is made for entertainment purposes. Mm-hmm. It's not made for educational purposes. It doesn't mean that you can't find some degree of education from something that's made to be entertaining. But you know, a film like The Fast and the Furious, for example, is a really entertaining film, but it's not an amazing way to learn about driving. Um, and it, the problem is, is that. The Fast and the Furious version is maybe the only depiction of sex or the most common depiction of sex that we're able to access. And if we were learning about driving from the Fast and the Furious, we'd all be pretty terrible drivers um, and maybe wouldn't be having the safest driving experience. <laughs> and similarly with, with sex, yeah. it's it's that the way of being like, if we were able to talk about what sex should feel like in an everyday setting rather than the fantastical kind of entertainment value porn setting, we would be able to differentiate between what was there for fantasy and what made sense in a reality. But that's unfortunately not the situation we're in at the moment. So I think having having media conversations, uh, discussion of sex that isn't about, um, you know, using it in a functional way that Pauline's used, um, I think that is the, the first step to kind of being able to correctly contextualize porn. Yeah, because it's not all sex, it's just porn. Yeah, exactly. And sex is basically everything, right? Like it's yeah. every, it touches everything. And you mentioned communication, so I'm gonna start there. Yeah. Where so much of sex involves, good sex involves good communication, mm. right? And how has your work or your life, I don't know which direction it came from, where you were like, this is what I want to change or this is what I want to reflect about? I think that I've always found sex really fascinating. Um, kind of because, yeah. well, because it because it's never, it's some a part of society that is just un, an undercurrent. And I always wanted to understand why, why it was so mysterious, why people didn't really speak about it. Um, and I think that, um, growing up online and kind of seeing um, how maybe rigid some of the boundaries around sex were, um, I always felt like it was interesting to kind of peel back that surface and just play around in that space because, you know, sex 
is so much more complicated and diverse and weird and interesting than the kind of thing you see on the first page of a porn tube site. And I wanted to see if sex could not only be a functional product, but could be a creative medium to explore other ideas. So the kind of films that I make maybe use porn and sex as the way to think about something like technology or about um, you know myths or about uh, ways that we interact as a society without necessarily it just being about being a functional product. Um, and I think that's something that we don't really give sex kind of credit for is that it can actually teach us about more than just the physical act. Like it's a way of kind of investigating yourself. It's a way of learning about how, um, how we interact as a society. And it's an amazing space to play in. And I think as, as adults, we often don't take the time to play um, in our in our lives but sex is a space where you can really take that time to like give yourself up to to just the pursuit of of pleasure without boundary and it's interesting because again it's also gendered when you especially when you look at the binary right yeah where, like women's pleasure is I, I wouldn't even say deep deprioritize it's just like not talked about or Absolutely, if it is yeah. it's like this revolution right now where it's mm. like, it is a thing and like yeah. we've discovered that women also have <laughs> pleasure like let's let's talk about it but yeah and i'm curious about existing in the space where you get to shape the narrative mm. what are you trying to disrupt or reshape or even like reflect yeah i think for me um with the project that that um that i make it was really important for me to not um, categorize anything by um, the gender of the performers, the body types of the performers, um, the sexuality of, of, or the kind of sex that someone might go in to see. Um, I don't necessarily think those labels are inherently bad, but what I do think is sometimes that in porn, we can become very rigidly defined by these keywords. And sometimes those keywords are really reductive and sometimes they're really fetishizing and sometimes they're really harmful. Um, being able to go in to find something that you want to see is really good, but the way sometimes people are spoken about in porn um, can feel kind of derogatory. And I wanted to create a space where the performers could be fluid in their presentation, in the kind of sex that they were having, in the way that they were being perceived and do away with any of those kind of markers so that not only do the performers get to exist however feels comfortable to them, but also the people watching it can kind of go in curious because maybe that wouldn't be the kind of sex that you would normally want to see, but because you're going in with a degree of curiosity, it means that maybe you get to see something that you wouldn't have normally clicked on. Maybe it allows you to, to think about um, sex with somebody with a, a body that maybe you wouldn't have normally um, been interested in looking at. And it shows sex in a, a way that feels more fluid mm -hmm. um, and ambiguous. And I think that's really important because we can be quite defined by um, little boxes and little labels and just having a space for curiosity. Um, that's definitely something that we've tried to work towards in the project, I think. And obviously, 
as you said, porn also reflects the world. Absolutely, yeah. Are there are there those same types of boxes, labels, yeah. rigid definitions that you're? Yeah. So I think one of the main things about porn is it gets a lot of criticism, and rightly so, for you know, um, often kind of upholding or um, kind of uh, shining a, a a light on um, some pretty reductive like old-fashioned stereotyping and I think porn is a mirror that really reflects society um, and I think it does that particularly uh, intensely because it hasn't had that level of kind of uh, social criticism that other forms of media have had so you know it's been left unchecked and that means that some kind of complicated stuff is allowed to bubble to the surface and I think that if we all um what I what I try and do and I think that if what everybody could try and do is treat the porn that you watch with the same degree of value or worthiness as any other media that you're consuming and think critically about it in the same way that you would if you were reading a book or you were um, watching a film um, and think about how the people are portrayed. And I think that informed my decision to kind of do away with some of that labeling and try and treat people, um, try and meet people and performers where they are and allow the performers to kind of lead how they wanted to, to be seen or perceived in the film that I'm, I would make. There's the changing the labels. Mm -hmm. Are you also looking to change the way we understand sex in any way based on your own experiences? I think making porn has taught me so much about sex. It has, um, you know, expanded my sexual horizons in a way that I never expected. It has taught me so much about what people find attractive. One of the things that, it's, that I love that it's given me is that everybody looks beautiful while they're having sex or while they're orgasming or while they're experiencing pleasure. And it's made me see bodies in a completely different way um, and it's given me a new appreciation for my body you know working working with my body using it as a tool um, has taught me to appreciate it on a really deep level I think that what it's really done is given me a really good appreciation for what off-camera sex feels like because what I'm trying to make is I'm not you know the kind of work that I make I want to use sex as this exploratory, fantastical tool. It's maybe not kind of um, the most authentic, the most realistic. It's not a gritty realist documentary. What it is, is like a, a fantasy epic. Um, and so what it's done is making this really kind of fantastical sex on film. It's given me a real appreciation for my the personal sex that I have off camera, because I think Often, as people socialise as, as women, often we end up in a situation where performing sex can feel like the default and actually experiencing sex for yourself in your body, feeling deeply connected to your, um, your feelings comes second or is something that often people find very difficult yeah. to do. And it's something that I have struggled with in my life and I think when you really lean into the performance of sex, which as a porn performer you kind of have to do, it really gives you an appreciation for what sex without performing can feel like and how to really make sure that that's something that you're prioritizing for yourself. I think it's a very complicated thing to try and undo, um, but 
you know, I'm only just getting to the time in my life where, where I'm able to kind of start doing that work. It's also given me this like incredible appreciation for the fact that um, sex is so much weirder than we ever it's it and it should be a process that's like really funny yeah. it's really ridiculous the whole process when of making think about it, yeah. it is it and i think bringing that like joy to it you know it the the most interesting thing for me has has been you know there's something for everyone and everyone is weirder than you think where when people think about um, the kind of people we see on TV or in magazines that are held up as like these, the most kind of attractive people. Um, in porn, uh, whatever, whoever you are, whatever you look like, however you, you're presenting, um, one of my most favorite things would always be that there's somebody there going, this is the hottest thing I've ever seen in my life. I, I've been looking for this forever. I can't wait to watch this. Um, so I, I think that actually in some capacity, sex, undoes some of that um, societal programming about what it is that we should find attractive um, and it doesn't necessarily adhere to the those kind of the rules that society tells us. Which is really lovely because I think for most people we're all like cultured into like such a narrow definition of attractive right? Absolutely. And like the kind of person people would want to have sex mm. with not thinking about like what do I want? Absolutely yeah and I think um, for me, it's not that porn, you know, traditional porn or a lot of the porn that you see doesn't necessarily, uh, it can sometimes like perpetuate that. And I think like all content across all social media, like we're all having to deal with being confronted with images of like increasingly more and more kind of augmented, attractive people. Um, and we're really oversaturated with all of this media that can be really difficult to to feel good about yourself. Um, but one of the nicest things for me is, uh, you know, when somebody's having sex, it's very difficult to remain composed. And so um, porn, often sometimes you get to see people kind of undone in a way where like your makeup's a little smeared, your hair's messy, your, you know, your, the, the layer of foundation that you put on at the beginning of the shoot, it's definitely not there anymore. And there's something really nice about kind of seeing people in, um, in a state that's less constructed. Yeah. Um, and so for me, that's the kind of sex that I want to see is, is sex that feels really raw, really real, really uh, intense between the people that are having it, you know, without any of that consideration for how you look or how it's kind of maybe going to be yeah. perceived. And it also goes back to what you were talking about in the difference between sex as performance mm. and sex as feeling, right? Mm. And for so many women especially, sex as performance is what we're like societally with whoever we have sex with is Absolutely. like the expectation, right? Yeah. On on every side. And how like if you're looking back to your younger self or if you're talking to a younger sister, mm -hmm. how do you like help help them navigate this? I think it's very difficult. I think it's something that is almost um it's a it's a a feeling or a sensation of like bringing yourself back to your body and like listening to your body's instinctive reactions. I think often we're told so often to kind of push through a, a sensation of being uncomfortable, and 
that can be really difficult because you have to make a call about whether or not you're uncomfortable but you're excited to right. to to do more or you're uncomfortable and you really wish that you were pulling away but you feel too awkward to or you're not able to speak up um, and I think we don't really teach ourselves to listen to our bodies and I think sometimes our bodies are our, our greatest tools in judging how we're maybe feeling behind the 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 veil of of what you know the the, the mask that we're wearing um so just like giving yourself permission to really listen to what's going on internally which is an ongoing process of of learning i think and it's something that i'm still working on and i think everyone probably is to some degree um but it's not really something that i don't think i see spoken about massively not at all is that something because you work with your body partly and like you have to be aware of your body just like an athlete mm. or any other actor like it yeah it feels like it um it's it's a long process of of you know sometimes when you use your body for work it's important to understand that um you're going to you know you're going to have to sometimes just show up and do the thing and that can be absolutely fine and people that that's not necessarily a bad thing you know as a professional performer not every single day of 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 my work <laughs> life involves you know getting to spend time with people who i i'm you know i get on with really well or i'm really excited to be there with um sometimes it's just a functional day at work and that's absolutely fine um but in my off camera sex um it's given me some incredible tools to really judge when I'm feeling excited about something honestly or if I'm just kind of people pleasing or pushing through um but yeah it's still it's still an ongoing process imagine it is <laughs> all our lives yeah and there's a part of that also about which I really wanted to talk to you about was desire right like mm. only in my 30s have I like started even thinking about using the phrase I want yes because it like wanting unapologetically or just wanting like mm. even forgetting the unapologetic just wanting feels like such a revolution sometimes a hundred percent yeah because needing mm. is there right or like duty is there i should absolutely but i want feels like oh yeah that's indulgent yeah and it's 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 too indulgent it's too luxurious that's not for me uh i i i'm only here to provide for other people i think that's something that i when i speak to a lot of my friends that's something that we all often struggle with because I think it's um it's often something that's a very hard messaging to turn off um I think that working with sex and desire um you know it kind of forces you to have some pretty intense con conversations with yourself about um how checking in with how you are feeling and allowing yourself permission to desire um and I think that um that's something that's like that, that's really missing from sex education is desire and pleasure and you and and identifying your body and how your body's feeling and it's all very you know this is bad this is an awful thing that could happen to you here's what to avoid here's how to keep yourself safe and not here's how to experience joy here's how to experience pleasure here's how to connect with your body um and if we were able to treat sex with you know with kind of the care and attention that it deserves we would maybe be able to have more 
classes, more workshops, more conversations about what that actually means. Um, I would have loved that. <laughs> I think we all need that as yeah. well. <laughs> and it goes back to the sex ed thing of like, at least I remember in school for me, there were there were two sides of it. One is violence, right? There's absolutely and very valid reasons why we talk about it. And the other is don't get pregnant. Yeah. Which, you know, two important messages, but really not the core of the curriculum. Um, I think, you know, porn specifically as well, if we're going to accept that porn has been around for about as long as people have been writing on caves, um, that what we what we need to do is have um, education around how to correctly contextualize the porn that we're seeing. and that's just something that doesn't exist where we're all really worried about young people um, finding this stuff, but nobody's doing anything to give those people the tools to be able to navigate that world. Um, because we're so scared of the idea that, you know, that, uh, that as soon as you talk about porn and young people, it gets bracketed into this idea of like encouraging young people to look at porn. Whereas the reality of the situation is that's something that's happening and how can we make it safer for them how can we make it um an experience that you know takes away some of the complexity that we've been talking about it's and also whether we talk about young people accessing porn or not that will happen yeah like that'll always happen yeah just like sex work has always been around exactly it's one of those things where to to try and say we need to stop that happening by locking it in a closet and pretending that it doesn't exist is only going to mean that it's going to go deeper underground people are not going to feel like they can speak about it people aren't going to be able to bring it up with their family or their people their friends and that's going to reverse some of the work that hopefully being able to have these conversations is going to do um and yeah the reality is not you know how you know how can we stop people watching it is the reality is people are watching it how can we give them the best tools to make that experience the best experience that they can have and part of that in my mind is every one of us is unique everyone's sexuality is unique right we have Mm. labels but also every person's desires yes are unique to them yeah and it's it's so difficult when you're like 16 17 to find a space to one express your desire and to to know that it's okay yeah like it's it just it's okay right yeah because where do you find other people yeah and we were talking about tumblr tumblr (laughs) where like where do young people go now what is yeah how to like how if you again talking to your younger sister you're talking to the person who's listening who's trying to make sense of whatever their gender whatever their sexuality Mm. however they're navigating the moment of like i want to understand what i want Mm. and i want to understand what would feel good to me Mm. How do you even get started? I think the problem is, is that there used to be online spaces for building community with other people that were your age and and your, you know, similar experiences to you that would allow you to have those conversations. But unfortunately, the way that the internet has gone is that we're losing spaces for honest, upfront discussion of sex and sexuality. And that results in people being quiet about it, people not knowing where to go, people, you know, having having these desires and thinking they're weird or thinking they're not right and not having a space to make connections in a way that feels organic. Um, and 
you know, I used, I, I would have, there would have been a time where I'd have been like, you know, go on Tumblr, go on this forum. And it does, just doesn't, it doesn't feel like that is a, a safe space for people in the same way anymore. Um, or, or it's not even that the space isn't safe, it's just the space doesn't exist. Mm. Um, so, you know, for me, a lot of, you know, my exploration was also from uh, reading. Uh, I loved reading sexy books. Yeah. Um, and I think that that felt like, you know, and often the stuff that I was reading was way more, uh, you know, uh, hardcore yeah. than any of the porn that I was watching. But there's something about the written word, which, you know, for a lot of people feels maybe less kind of uh, visually arresting or like yeah. shocking. So I think that um, getting to kind of not necessarily just think about porn as like logging onto a tube site and watching yeah. the first three videos that comes up, but really connecting to eroticism in our life. Like, what does that mean? How do I, how do I think about um, the erotic as not just about explicit sex, but about desire, about pleasure in my life in a number of different ways. And, you know, feeding that through not just, you know, not just one type of media, but through like reading, through films, through conversations with friends, through experiences, through maybe going to events um, that allow you to explore that from different angles, not necessarily just uh, just through porn. And it, it also seems like because they're right now the world we live in and the internet we live in, we, we live on the internet. <laughs> I mean, we do kind of live on the internet, unfortunately. It's, it's also hard where like the platforms have the bans that exist yeah. for some, some for valid reasons yeah. to like protect against violence or exploitation also mean that sex is automatically associated with violence or exploitation absolutely as opposed to just being a fact of life mm. right yep i think losing those spaces has made it actually you know harder to identify things that are violent or exploitative because if we were able to have you know more upfront honest conversations about sex uh, people would find can, can sexual consent easier to learn about? We would be aware about like non-normative sexual practices that you know for a lot of queer people, sometimes the way that queer people have sex gets lumped in with kind of practices that would be considered kind of violent or non-normative. Um, and I think that when we leave something in the shadows, it just makes it easier for bad shit to, to go down. It would be so much better to be able to to like lay this all out on the table and really be able to learn and discuss openly so that people could really make decisions about what felt right for them. One of the things I find hardest is in an online space, I want to be upfront about what I do. I want to be able to be visible and explicit and say, I make porn. If you want to watch porn and you think the kind of porn that I make is the kind of porn you'd like to watch, please come this way. But if you're not interested in watching porn, if that's not what you want to see, it's not a problem, just move on. But it means that when you can't be upfront about it in that way, everything's under the table. It's all, you know, it's all a little bit mysterious. So I think people maybe find themselves in situations that they're not expecting in because they've they've not been able to, people haven't been able to be explicit yeah. about what the deal is. So some of that um, kind of uh, the censorship really means it's just harder for, for people, especially young people, to navigate in a way that feels consensual. Um, 
And I just think this, the, the sanitization of online spaces just makes it, you know, it allows the, the kind of um, most basic common denominator of sex to become the only kind of sex that we consider to be, to be normal sex. Mm. So sex that's very straight, sex that's very, um, you know, uh, that upholds some degree of kind of patriarchal yeah. values, sex that, you know, doesn't necessarily explore um, female pleasure, sex that um, isn't maybe the kind of sex that, that queer people are having, um, all of that stuff gets pushed aside and just the kind of most basic level becomes the norm and I think that that's a real disservice to all of us. So one of the things you kind of touched on and have been touching on along all of this is mm. so sex is about everything. Mm. One of the things sex is about is also power, mm. power dynamics that play out and I'm curious about what power dynamics you wish we were collectively talking about or like exploring more that you're trying to explore in the work you do? I think that sometimes power dynamics in sex gets defined by, um, by you know, um, by pain maybe. And I think that for me, the most interesting power dynamic is, is often something, you know, more playful or more psychological. And I think that sometimes when we think of um, of power dynamics during sex, it's always the man is the powerful one and the the woman is submissive. And I think anyone that's kind of uh, existed in the the world of of kind of power play realizes that that's a lot more fluid and that's a lot more complicated. And that actually, uh, you know, seeing seeing people kind of giving and exchanging power um, can really like teach us a lot about our own kind of our own in, in uh, the power that we kind of have inside of ourselves is something that I think is often quite difficult for people to access and I think as I have more about that in your own experience yeah I think like as I've as I've got older I think sometimes for me sometimes I felt like uh, being the person who was submitting was my default because I didn't have the language to talk about what it was that I wanted or needed. I didn't, I, it wasn't a choice that I was going into uh, with all of the tools I needed to make it. Um, it was something that I felt like was an easy decision to make because it didn't require, or I, or I thought it didn't require me to, um, to have, to really think about what it was that I wanted. And having got older, had more sex, and accessed some of my, uh, played around with power dynamics in a different way, I realized that it was essentially just for me a way of, um, of putting what I want to the side and actually forcing myself to be in, not even forcing, but kind of uh, allowing myself the permission to, to, to play in that space basically gave me the tools to to think about about my wants and needs and what I got out of it and not just kind of uh not be that not be uh you know not be categorized as uh as the easy thing but to do the hard thing of thinking about what it was that I wanted 
So thinking about what you wanted was the hard thing. Mm, yeah, def- definitely. Well, as a woman and as somebody who is a, a natural people pleaser, um, I find it. I think I, I find it really difficult to really access uh, my own desire, and um, I love to provide uh, an experience for somebody else, and that's great, and that's a really important part of sex. But being able to provide an experience for somebody else. And, and facilitate somebody else providing a really good experience for you is and was very a lot more complicated and a lot more difficult I think did you was it difficult to start having those conversations first with yourself and then with the people you were having sex with or yeah absolutely I think and actually porn and, and shooting porn and making porn uh, is an incredible tool for thinking about what it is you do and don't want because obviously before you do a shoot um, the way it works on our set at least is that you know we ask people in writing beforehand to talk about the kind of sex that they like to have on camera and anything that they really don't want to happen and you know just just the basics of how they like to be touched and I think even just something as simple as thinking about how you want somebody else to touch you can be really transformative in your kind of uh, understanding of your body and then before a shoot what we'll do is we'll go head to toe so we'll ask people to say like think about your head, your hair, do you want your hair pulled? Is that something you like? Is that, you know, is that something that's going to be pleasurable for you? And then we move down the body and thinking about each part of your body and how you do and don't want to be touched and the things you want to and don't want to happen. Um, Practicing doing that on a porn set meant that I was able to bring that level of uh, communication and consent into my personal sex life. It, I almost want to say I wish we could all do, all do that right like <laughs> yeah without the like let's go down your entire body yeah. but it's so often at least in my experience there's a level of like well it's fine yeah we'll just see how it goes yeah which can be I think like that's not necessarily a bad thing but I think um if you're somebody who it can be really hard if you're someone who has realized that you know that's a specific way you don't do and don't want to experience mm-hmm. touch just being able to say that to somebody feels really brave, but we should, you know, all, all be having those kind of conversations behind the scenes with the people that we're being, like being, having sex with someone is such a, an intimate and vulnerable experience. And it, that's why it can be so incredible. But going into those spaces, we need the tools to be able to navigate that experience in a way that allows you and the person or the people that you're having sex with to feel really well equipped It's also interesting because, as you said, it's such an intimate experience and we go into that, but somehow speaking it out feels like the next step, right? Yeah. Which is, that's like, that's often the hardest part is vocalizing it because what if the other person thinks it's weird and as you said, we're all Mm -hmm. weird or is like, is this okay Mm. or is this wrong? Mm. And most of us get stuck somewhere on that ladder of like, what we think is okay because no one's talking about what is or isn't okay which is yeah absolutely and have you had to like go through that journey yourself with your relationships with people you were having sex with earlier on where the conversation about sex was different and in the last 10 years it's evolved to another place yeah i just think as you get older you become a lot more comfortable with yourself you become um more able to feel like you don't actually care as much about what other people think of you um, and I think you end up in a position where there's a, a degree of understanding that everyone has these hang-ups or everyone to some capacity has these complications. And 
just trying to meet people on on the level that they are often allows the other person to bring stuff to you that that you know maybe they wouldn't have felt like they were able to before um I feel really lucky that like yeah as I get older the sex I'm having is better and better and the way I'm able to speak about it not only with my partners but just with the people that I surround myself with means that it feels like you know the only way is up <laughs> I also like what you said about how we we give each other permission to be brave when mm. when you speak out about what you want it gives the other person yeah the space to also speak out about what they want and it, it kind of harkens back to everything you've been saying. If, if we just have these conversations, it gets better for all yeah, of us. Absolutely. If someone is listening, wants to start having this conversation, <laughs> right? Like that's the, then it's the next step. Like, where do I go? What do mm. I say? Who do I talk to? Someone who I feel safe with. Okay, my friend and I are having these conversations. Mm. The world isn't changing. Mm. How do you like, when you think about your own experience or when you talk to friends about this, what are the types of conversations you're having or you wish the rest of us were having? I kind of think that, you know, to say that like, oh, the world isn't changing just by having those conversations, you know, you would be surprised. I think fostering an environment of open communication is infectious. You know, if you feel comfortable bringing something up, the person that you spoke to might go away and have that conversation with somebody else. And that sets the ball rolling in a way that doesn't feel very preachy, it doesn't feel very prescriptive, it doesn't, you know, do anything other than give people permission to, to speak. Um, and so I think that I, yeah, I think that people, people talking about sex um, is essentially bonding through vulnerability. You know, it's it's something that you're like it brings it brings people closer together. And I think not just talking about your like sexual wins, but talking about your sexual fails, your sexual hangups, ways in which you feel uncomfortable with your body. You know, is this just something as simple as one of my favorite things to do is you know you drop into the group chat like I've got this weird thing going on right now. Uh, you know, has anyone else experienced this? Uh, is this normal? Um, and there was maybe a point, I think, when you're a lot younger where that stuff just stayed under the radar. And that's the time when you really need that information because, you know, that's when you're just starting out and everything seems so scary. Um, and I kind of wish that, that you know, conversations, we can have conversations about, about sex explicitly, but also just like the inherent weirdness of bodies and all of the weird things that can go wrong and especially, you know, vaginas are especially weird and especially temperamental and the multitude of different things uh i yeah I, I i deeply wish that that would have been something that had been covered more explicitly in sex education is just something as simple as what's going on this is my own weird pet peeve word <laughs> it's not weird so much of the conversation around this always goes into like anatomy right where mm. like where are the fallopian tubes where are the ovaries i'm like that's all well and good but it doesn't actually tell me anything about my own experience absolutely not yeah which uh, yeah the anatomy is really good from like a scientific yeah. point of view and it's like the very base level of, of what we should be able to understand but just about you know about the the most common kind of complicated issues that you might have um that's all stuff that you know is entirely you have to work it out on your own. And so you spend a lot of time on Google, you know, convincing yourself that there's something really horribly wrong with you because, you know, you're not able to speak. It's always cancer. <laughs> um, and, and I think, you know, feeling like 
having access to that kind of education before it comes up rather than having to go and find it is would be would be really important and it's i have found at least in my group chats where no one ever wants to go to the doctor either when something's going on because like that's uncomfortable too to talk to your gp about yeah like what's happening with your vagina it's like "Mm, i'll just look at google and i'll like eventually find my way to yeah i think like one of the things that we're really missing is especially where where i live the um the sexual health centers are so underfunded it's impossible to get an appointment it it they don't even have the money to have like a working telephone service they're kind of on their knees and getting to experience the way it is in other countries or in other cities and seeing how much we're really failing people in that regard there should be no reason why going to your gp to talk about your sexual health should be an uncomfortable experience or even an experience that you know requires waiting on the telephone for three hours for an appointment um but but it does so it's no surprise that we all don't have this like level of good education and it also much of it goes back to stigma right sexual health is always yeah. in my experience has always been around stis and then the next step is almost always the shamey step and it's like yeah why are we shaming people for their health yeah it just is it's a fact it's a function and i think the way people think about sexually transmitted infections versus any other like the common cold any other virus any other infection that you would get you know as as we've become aware in the pandemic being close to people in all ways leaves us open to unfortunately sharing kind of bugs and stuff that go around there's no shame in that in a sexual sense in the same way there's no shame in getting a cold um but the way that we think about it means that that stuff goes unchecked people don't understand that it's something that you you have to deal with and accessing care for it can feel really othering um, and one of the amazing things about porn is that testing is normalized so you know before you shoot for me for me anyway everyone gets tested two weeks before the shoot within two weeks and we all share tests so everyone understands what everyone's status is um, and the amount of people that I speak to that aren't involved in working with sex in some way who have never been tested or would never go to be tested but yet have sex um, often you know sometimes not using barriers is incredible um, and we have a lot to learn I think we can learn a lot from from porn and from people who work with sex about how to protect your body how to learn about your body how to keep yourself safe how to navigate sexual health in that way um, but we don't treat those people as people of you know with anything worthy to say which is I mean it's ridiculous in so many levels and also because again like everyone has sex yeah and so why is it yeah, yeah. Or even if you're not having sex, you're probably surrounded by other people who are having sex. So all of that stuff, it's it's really important to to just treat it as a a normal part of society. And thinking thinking about, again, like someone who's watching or listening to this Mm -hmm. 17-year-old who is not even maybe necessarily like aware of the the fact that it's like the shame and the stigma Mm -hmm. that's influencing how they're feeling about their bodies, about... Because it's everything, right? It's your body, it's your desires, mm. it's who you're attracted to or what you're attracted to. As they're navigating that, like, how would you suggest, or how, if you look back to yourself, and how were you like untangling yourself from mm. the, like, the narratives that surrounded you? Well, I, I kind of think that really 
not just limiting yourself to looking at the first page of a porn site, um, having conversations with your friends, talking about your body honestly and openly, um, taking time to learn about sex, not just from porn, but from other kinds of media as well. And even something as simple as uh, kind of mindfulness or your um, your connection to your physical body, your sensation, um, it's something that I don't think we learn. And I think really a practice that allows you to be in your body in some way, gives you the tools to listen to it when you're navigating those spaces. Makes a lot of sense. Getting to my final question, it's a cheesy one, and it, <laughs> I imagine it's going to be related to everything you've said, but the series is called Little Revolutions, and mm-hmm. a big part of it for us was talking to people who are making little revolutions in their own life because change happens in each of us doing, mm-hmm. doing the things, right? And I wanted to talk to you because the, the two things that come to mind so clearly are, one, you carved out space for yourself, mm-hmm. and you found a way to make art. Mm-hmm. And recreate the rules of art, right? Yeah. And then the other side is the desire side of like thinking about people who want to have the space to express their desire or who are afraid of speaking out what they want. When we think about both of those questions, what little revolutions do you think people can make in their lives, whether it's about their own desires and carving out space for themselves or to do it for someone they love or someone they see who who wants that? Yeah, I think for me it's just giving yourself permission to um, have those conversations and to feel empowered to speak to someone someone you care about because that gives them permission to share with you too. Um, not minimizing yourself, not minimizing your experience both in your body and um, you know in your sexual interactions. Um, and for me, you know making porn just, allowing um, something that you know maybe you're told is shameful and make that decision for yourself like really really uh, really think about what feels good for you what feels right for you um, be led by um, by your own experience and not the experiences of either the society that you're in or the kind of shameful way that people speak about about yourself Um, yeah, I'm going to say that one again because I said something weird at the end of it. Um, yeah, I think specifically with like with making porn, um, yeah, giving yourself permission to be uh, led by what feels good for you, um, to kind of view things or think about things outside of maybe what you're told or what's prescribed to you is uh, how you should feel about something, how uh, how something feels inside of your body is is kind of often more important than maybe what you're told um, and not put too much pressure on yourself I think yeah not put too much pressure on yourself to adhere to either being a very kind of sexual person um, thinking about what you're told you should feel like versus um, versus how how that comes across for you naturally just accepting yourself yeah, I think just giving yourself permission to yeah not be too hard on yourself and to just be like led by your own sensation and your own desire. That's really beautiful. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to Vex for this honest and open conversation. To learn more about Vex, where you can follow her and check out her work, please check out our show notes.